Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today's guest is Tracy Stanley. And let me tell you, you do not want to miss out on this conversation. This woman is incredible. She has been studying yoga since about the same time I have, but her path is a little different and it is absolutely fascinating. She talks about yoga nidra. She talks about her new book called Radiant Rest. I mean, who doesn't want that? And so much more. But even more importantly, I think you will just fall in love with her enchanting and compassionate voice and offerings. So please tune in. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have a new wonderful friend, Tracy, with me today. Welcome, Tracy. The first thing I noticed about you was that we had a mutual friend, Jen Pasteloff, and that we started yoga at the same time in 1995. So welcome. And then tell us right away how you got into yoga. How What was your entry, your discovery about it? Well, let's see. In 1994, I was sitting on a balcony watching the sunrise in South Africa. And it was a moment that I experienced of complete stillness, peace, and bliss, which I would now say that I just had a moment of spontaneous meditation without trying. But it was so profound that I didn't know what happened. And I started to ask around to people that I thought might know and just sharing the experience because I just had this feeling of this inner knowing and all these questions that I had had being answered kind of all in one download. And somebody, a friend said, here, you need to read these books. One of the books was a meditation book on the chakras. And I led myself through this practice because this is really before there were like audio practices. So you had to read the practice from the book and then guide yourself through it. And the first experience I had with this chakra meditation was sublime. And so when I came back to LA, I started looking for meditation studios uh, and really not even meditation studios, meditation teachers. And the only place that I could find was the Zen Center in downtown LA. So I started doing classes at the Zen Center. And at some point, I just decided 
that I needed to find a yoga class. And there was yoga near my house where I lived in Studio City. And when that happened, I walked into a class. I was just walked in and said, hi, I'm here to do yoga. And they said, go to the left. And I went to the left. And you know, there was a, a man who was wearing all white and there was a huge gong in the room and there was like sound bowls. And I had never seen these things before. Did any of that freak you out or were you just fascinated by it from the beginning? No, I was like, let's see what this is all about. Like <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen here? And at the end of class, uh, first of all, the class was very hard, even though I considered myself to be extremely athletic when these simple kundalini movements was like, why are my arms feeling like they're burning? You know, And at the end of the class, we did Shavasana and the gong was played. And I just remember feeling as though somebody had just opened up my chest and was pouring like this molten gold into my heart. And I'd never felt anything like that before. And when I came up, the woman who was sitting in front of me who had said, hello, this is your first time at the beginning of class. She looked at me and she said with a huge smile and her eyes were like bright, like tons of Shri in her eyes. And she said, so did you feel it? And I was like, oh, wait a second. So this is not something that just happened. This is something, this is an alchemy that's happening. This teacher has created the circumstances for this to be able to happen. And I started practicing five days a week kundalini yoga for a couple of years until I discovered hatha yoga. And then I started doing them both together, kind of, you know, a couple of days a week kundalini, a couple of days a week hatha yoga. And then at some point I read a copy or a translation of the yoga sutras. And when I read that translation, first of all, the book felt like it had an energy. And what I would now say was a transmission. And I read Sutra 136, Vishoka Vajra Tishmati, that talks about this light that is within us, that is eternal, that is beyond all sorrow, beyond all experience. And I was like, okay, I need to find a teacher or a practice that's going to lead me to the promise of what is talked about in this translation of the Yoga Sutras. It's just a little tiny, tiny bit that I could even comprehend. But I knew that the asana-based yoga that I was doing and the handstands and the astravakasanas and all the you know arm balances, that was not the way. And that was really, I would say, after that reading and then starting to become a, what I would call a seeker, that I really feel is when my real journey into yoga practice really began. So that was in 2000 when that really shifted. Mm. So did you immediately go into studying more tantric type meditation? Did you focus on kundalini? Obviously, you were already experiencing some desire for more. Did you, were you, I guess, compelled to have a lineage to follow or more just full-on inquiry? Yeah. So you know what? I didn't even know what the word lineage meant. <laughs> Good for <laughs> you. Was, I didn't either. <laughs> it, it wasn't even a thing in my, in my mind. It was really about, there's a promise of yoga 
And there is a systematic approach to yoga that's being outlined in these yoga sutras. And I need to find a teacher who's going to lead me there. And so I started asking it to the elders in my community who this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. And I kept getting the same name. I kept getting pointed in the same direction. And I was pointed in the direction of Rod Stryker at the time. And basically he was doing a teacher training. And I had also just opened a donation only yoga studio in West Hollywood. So I had no intention of teaching. I only wanted to learn more about yoga. And I wound up in this teacher training with 10 people in this little basement in Beverly Hills for, I think, like two weeks, maybe, yeah, about two weeks, I think it was. And it was one of the most intense, cleansing, profound, transformational experience that I had had since I was sitting on that balcony. And that was where I became acquainted with Tantra, the Yoga Sutras, and then eventually was initiated into the practice of Sri Vidya Tantra. So for people out there listening who have no idea, how do you describe what Tantra is and Tantra yoga practice and this teacher training that you did with Raj Stryker? Yeah. So Tantra, the best way that I can describe it is really Tantra is this science of energy management. Tantra means to weave. It means to expand, to accelerate. It is a way for us to accelerate our own spiritual transformation, knowing that we have an inner universe inside of us. So everything that exists outside in the universe, the elements, the stars, all everything is within us. And if we can learn how to manage our inner universe and the inner elements that are represented in the subtle body and all kinds of other things, that it will have an effect on the outer. So we focus on the inner first and then we move towards the outer. So that is how I would describe Tantra in a nutshell, knowing that it's a science that could take you many lifetimes to understand. I know. Um, And at the same time, the, the teachings that I did in that first teacher training that I was receiving were all about shifting energy, become dissolving. You know, we were doing a lot of Laya yoga practices, dissolving elements of the personality, understanding what, you know, some scars and impressions and vasanas and how they work and how the energies in the body move. And so that was a real eye opener because it was a completely different understanding around yoga than I had ever been exposed to at that time 20 years ago. And frankly, at the time, nobody was really teaching that in Los Angeles. Well, and I think Rod, this was in 2001, Mm -hmm. you're saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's funny is I studied with him briefly in September of 2001, August 2001. And I think he was relatively new. I don't think he was totally identifying his teaching at, at this stage yet as that. But it was very new for him to be transmitting it. Okay, so you took that. And before I ask you what you did with it, 
again, if people are new to this, because I know just hearing you, it's so hypnotic. People are going to be like, I want to know more about this. What is the What does that look like when you talk about getting your inner landscape tuned in a way that allows to you to better, I think it's like this intersection. It's almost your perception of the outer landscape is differ, different when you have tuned your inner one. What is the practice of that like though? You know, it's there could be many different practices, but it really is about sensitizing your awareness to prana, to energy, to the fact that you are more than just this body. And there's so many ways in which you can do that, whether it's by, you know, shifting the way you're breathing, by moving energy, learning to move energy in the body, learning to, like I said, become sensitive to energy. And, you know, it really depends on which path you choose. You know, it's said that there's like the easy path, there's the mild path, and there's the difficult path, right? And so I think that teachers hopefully have an understanding of who's sitting in front of them when they are offering these teachings and they know which path to offer from. Mm. So before this past year, where we are limited interacting with each other in person, what kind of offerings did you have in person? Were you taking people on journeys outside of the country and in spectacular, really lit up, you know, just like your experience in South Africa? Were you wanting to guide people in a different locale as well? Yeah, you know, I I love to travel. I've been traveling my whole life. And so it's really a part of who I am. And so prior to COVID, I was offering classes and experiences already online. But I was also traveling to places like Bali, going to India, you know, there you you name it at this point i can't barely remember all the places that i would go but there there were you know and i was traveling also with wonderlust so there were probably 10 events with wonderlust that i would go to a year i would have at least 2 to 3 retreats that i would lead one of those retreats i would lead in topanga which was where i used to live and always i was looking for you know, locations where we could really be close to nature, where we could really turn off the phone. Maybe there wasn't even any cell reception, but places where we could really sort of tune into a different vibration. Yeah, that's why I was asking about travel because it's not just like you can't do that at home, but especially traveling somewhere where it's it's very different than your home environment. I think it there's an invitation to dive into those deeper layers and to, because like you had felt it, you know, that with that sun set or sun, what did you say? Sunrise? Sunrise, sun, yeah. Sunrise. You had felt that. So you had, you know, you had that in your history and be like, but if people haven't actually experienced like getting out of their realm and doing the the tuning and the diving and the uncovering, then it's harder to know that that it that, that you're, the person was talking about in the class. So I think, think there's something really magical about being able to do it, but also, obviously, I'm sure you're able to do it, help people right over the computer without leaving their homes. 
100%. And I think that's really the, the true kind of understanding and getting into a relationship with yoga is that you don't have to leave your home. Everything that we are looking for is inside. It's not outside. Amen. It, ma- it makes it you know, easier a lot of times to separate you from your life and to create, put a spoke in the wheel, so to speak, of the cycles and the way that you're thinking and leaving your environment for most people is easier to do that. But once you actually started to do deeper practices, you can realize that without much experience at all, that we have, that's this ever flowing vibration and an ever flowing place that we have within us. And we always have access to it. It's our birthright to have access to it. And that's what these teachings, as far as my experience has been, are here to offer us. So you wrote a book, which I was congratulating you about at the beginning, because that's this is a massive undertaking, no matter how much you love something, to compile it, to put words to it. It's, it's just a huge celebration. And I'm, I just, first of all, congratulate you. Is this your first book? Yes, this is my first book. So this is um, a big celebration. Yes, oh. it is a big celebration. The book came out March 9th. And, you know, it was, I feel like because I'd spent so much time in nature, kind of downloading the practices, practicing yoga nidra and, you know, kind of translating what it is that I received and also all the years of study and all the research that I did, it was fairly, I don't want to say completely effortless, but I think that it was a lot more effortless than if I had been trying to write it from the place of the intellect and forcing. I really tried to listen to my own personal cycles of creativity and be in places where I could be undisturbed, you know, where I could be in my cycle and know that I can wake up really early in the morning and and write, and then I can, you know, do a yoga nidra practice or I can chant and really be in my own space. So I tried to give myself all the creative boundaries and spaciousness that I needed to really bring this to life. So I'm excited that it's out in the world now. That's amazing. So the title is, I love onomatopoeias and every time. So the radiant (laughs) rest. Can you explain a little bit about that? I mean, immediately when I say it, I just have like a glow and a soothe. It just is a perfect title on so many levels. But can you tell us a little bit more about what what is in the book? Yeah. So the, the, the subtitle of the book is Yoga Nidra for Deep Relaxation and Awakened Clarity. And so the book really is just an introduction to the practices of deep relaxation, to yoga nidra as something that is more than just a technique or a practice, but is also a state of consciousness, is also a goddess. And the book is really something that I'm hoping will inspire people to have a relationship with all three of those kind of definitions of yoga nidra, and then to be able to decide and know for themselves which one is appropriate for them in which circumstance, right? Mm. So that that's really the book. It has six yoga nidra practices that you get on audio when you buy the book. 
for free. It has a little bit of the science, a little bit of the history, some philosophy. And it's, I feel like it's just enough to allow you to understand. And then I also have a lot of resources and I cite my sources. So you can always go and kind of take a deeper dive if you're really interested in knowing more. Well, I love that. And I think um, I, I would like to hear you just, again, describe without giving too much away, which you won't because there's a lot more in a book. What is Yoga Nidra? I mean, I remember the first time I had uh, experienced it was again around 2003. And, you know, I remember we were doing this in a, a weekend thing and somebody said, oh, it's kind of like a, a nap. <laughs> Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, well, let me just try this out. And then it's so hard to describe because you go into a state of the relaxed nature of a nap, but but there is a echo of awareness that is present and and yet you are so restored. So it's not so I anyway, I want to hear your description. That was the yeah, way I felt. You you, you <laughs> described it perfectly. You know, what Yoga Nidra asks us to to do is to be awake and aware to the transitions that there's a level of consciousness that stays awake and aware to the transitions between waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and the fourth state, which is known as Turiya, which is said to be peace beyond words, that it's we can't describe it. And so it's not uncommon for us to allow the body to fall asleep and allow the mind to fall asleep. But yet there is that part of the consciousness that is still awake to everything that is happening. And it is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's like a yoga nap. And it it actually is more than a nap. And not to say that a nap is better or worse, but different because in nap you you are literally giving yourself permission to just fall asleep and so in in some ways be dead to the world right and you can still wake up and you can still be restored and fully rested in yoga nidra we are asking you to be asleep to the illusion of the world right and awake to the eternal part of yourself that is your true nature Oh, I love that. And the other thing, I've practiced it many times now. And in fact, I have taught it, you know, just based on the the many different scripts that are very similar. And I've had multiple clients who've had serious anxiety in their life. I, I think it's wonderful for anyone, but for them in particular, it was like a game changer in their ability to sleep. So if you're listening to this, please buy her book anyway, but buy it and practice this because you can change your relationship with your mind and the energy that is anxiety. It's like, you're just going to, you're going to recalibrate. And it's, it's such a scientific technique that it's hard to really fully describe until you practice it. I say, sometimes I feel like I'm walking down this long corridor and there's light And there's awareness, but everything's a little muted, but it feels safe and just, ah, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful that that's the experience that you have. And I would say that everybody has a different experience, right? To being asked to relax and surrender to that point where 
they can experience prana and then follow prana back to source. But I do think that it is extremely helpful to recognize that liminal space that leads us into sleeping, right? And the more that we practice that, the more we can kind of hover in that space. And that space is blissful. Mm. And I that love space that. is hover. peace. Yes. Yeah. It's like you're just kind of hovering there. And so, yes, people who suffer from anxiety seem to find a lot of relief um, by practicing yoga nidra. And I also would say that it depends on which technique is being offered. Because as I said before, yoga nidra is this process of dissolution. So for some people, feeling the body dissolving might be more anxiety producing. And so we would give them practices where they feel more grounded, where they're more connected to the earth and to the earth as a goddess or as a our oldest ancestor that's there to kind of unconditionally hold and support us. Um, and so I think the most important thing is always kind of communicating with whoever it is that's guiding you so that they have an idea of, of what's going on. And so you have, when you talk about the six selections of different type, those address, again, not to like put it into bins, but more like one might be more for a grounding experience. One might, like I, I, I was looking at it and you had like the ancestral. Can you just take a little, like let us have a little bit of nugget of what, and what is, I was fascinated. I was like, what's the ancestral one? Yeah, so, so, you know, we have so much happening within us and we so much that we carry. And a lot of what we carry is also from our ancestors that lives in our DNA. And this is, you know, being proven out by studies that are being done in epigenetics right now. Mm-hmm. And so if it exists in our DNA, it also exists that this healing that's available to us may also be able to extend backwards as well as forwards. And for a lot of people, it doesn't feel safe to lie down. It doesn't feel safe to do a practice where you might be asked to close your eyes. And so a lot of what we do is we create these circles of protection. And one of the people who offered a testimony of their own story for the book, her name is Octavia Rahim, and she runs a kind of online portal called Starshine and Clay for BIPOC women. And one of the things that she offered was that she remembered as she was resting all of her ancestors who didn't have the opportunity to rest and that those ancestors were still alive within her, right? And so whether we are feeling that feeling of not being able to rest from ancestors that were enslaved or ancestors that were in the Holocaust or ancestors that were, you know, domestic workers in Scotland, it, it all of us have some sort of something that whether we know where it comes from or we don't. And so the ancestors and just bringing energy of your ancestors in for healing and then also for protection, 
right? We have this, this practice in the book of the three circles of protection. And over the pandemic, I started to add, to kind of name these circles um, as the first circle being the, ans- the ancestors coming in to protect you, those who are well in spirit and that are benevolent beings. And those ancestors can be, you know, your spirit guides, a pet that has passed on, you know, any of your, your family members that have passed on. And then the second circle is a circle of healing. And then the last circle is a circle of wisdom. And so you get to kind of rest inside these three circles and it seems to have been extremely helpful for people in their practices, especially during this time of uncertainty. Mm. By the way, I now have a crush on you. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Oh my gosh. So there's so many things I could ask you about. Uh, It's listening to you. You clearly have that you've done the work. Like it really, talk about radiant. It radiates from your words and energy and compassion and heart. Are you feeling with all the work you do, and this is major healing, how do you stay in that place of, of your own radiance and glow and open-heartedness, generosity? That's such a good question. So, you know, one of the things is that I try to practice what I'm talking about. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. And boundaries, I think, is really the biggest thing boundaries and communication, being able to communicate with those who are I'm sharing space with about what my needs are and what my expectations are, and trying to find a healthy, balance so that I know that I can receive and I can also give what what they need. At the same time, making sure that I'm rested. I mean, I'm I'm fairly lucky because I've had this habit since forever of going to bed early and waking up before the sun rises. So knowing that I'm going to get my eight hours of sleep, that I'm not you know, eating or drinking things that are going to disturb my sleep. You know, I had to learn a long time ago, okay, I cannot have Earl Grey tea after 12 o'clock because if I do, or if I have chocolate after 12 o'clock, it's something I'm very sensitive. It's going to disturb my sleep. So really getting to understand what my own personal cycles are and honoring those cycles, honoring the cycles of nature, feeling my body, self-love, having boundaries around what time I'm going to work, right? And what time I'm not going to work. I know that once the sun starts to go down, starting like around 4.30, my body starts to say, okay, we're, we're transitioning now. And I have to honor that transition. So it's very rare for me to teach at like seven o'clock at night. <laughs> You know, Um, I probably do that like maybe four times a year. And so those are all the things. I know that I have to do a practice early in the morning, right? I know that I have to journal. I have to mind map. I have to practice nidra. And so I give myself space for that. And at the moment, I'm lucky that I'm able to do that. And, you know, that's been a journey of being able to craft a life to be able to make my life the practice. I I feel like we have so much in common there. 
And I think it's important for people who are listening, who are younger and starting off, if this is part of your your vocation, as I like to say, versus just a job, it's really the calling I think that you received and I've received. And um, but it does take time to develop that that place where you get to, where you have more of the choices to rest more. And I mean, you always have those choices, but sometimes when you're getting going, it's you're there's gonna you there's gonna be some moments where your those boundaries might expand a little bit, you know, because you have you have to um, put food on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think having faith and and purpose and I think what you said, practicing what you are teaching, this is fundamental. It's a it's really the lifelong practice, but that is where you're able to get where you are. Yeah. And and also I think the reframing, at least from me. So when I was producing films and it was very difficult to just be in the middle of a day and take, you know, 45 minutes to practice. But what I started to do was to create moments where I could practice for five minutes, right? Like I could be in my office and I would practice alternate nostril breathing, or I would lay down at lunchtime and practice yoga nidra for 10 minutes or be on the set and just go into my trailer and practice you know, something for 10 minutes. And then just weaving those things through the day, as opposed to subscribing to this idea that our practice isn't valid if we can't do it same time, same place, same length of time every day, and really being more realistic and inventive and creative that once you have the tools and you have the practices, you you experiment with what can work for your own personal life. I love that. So you're now in New Mexico. I would love to hear a little bit about your choice for leaving LA or and Topanga. I don't know if that was a recent journey, but it sounds like right now that is. How did you decide that you wanted something different? Was there anything that called you there? Yeah. So, you know, I've been living in Topanga for about 13 years and I love Topanga and I love the community. And I also started to see and feel an energetic shift. And I also was starting to crave a place where I could start to move into the forest dweller kind of part of my life, right? And a place that would support the kind of practices that I was interested in teaching, which were very nature-based, a lot of yoga nidra, places where we could practice in nature under a full blanket of stars um, and see the Milky Way and see a giant, beautiful moon. And so I thought about this idea of spaciousness and that is what I needed to expand my own spiritual practice And also to have a place to invite people to come and have a deeper experience of practice. And so there's a couple of things that happened. There was a dream involved because there were other other places that we were considering. And there was a dream that said, you know, basically, I think you need to come this way. And we took a road trip. My um, husband had never been here before. And... It was just magical from the moment we arrived. It was very clear that this was the space. This is a land that has been preyed on for thousands and thousands of years. 
you can feel it. And it is just a beautiful um, space to do practice. And was this the first place you looked at Santa Fe in Santa Fe? Like, or did you have any other stops along the way to get there? No, we we had um, we both had kind of a hit the, on the same day that it was time for us to shift from Topanga, and then we came. We did a road trip here. There were a series of fires right at that time that were affecting some of the other places that we had been looking at. So, you know, we said, okay, that's, we're not going to go there. And he fell in love with the space. And he's somebody who hikes six miles a day and is very attached to nature. And our dog also loved it. And so immediately upon getting here and kind of getting, you know, stable in a space, creativity and more inspiration just started to download. And so I knew that this was the place. It's like, this is the place that I can expand and deepen my practice and that I can also be more creative because I have other creative projects and things that I would like to give birth to while being rested. And this felt like home. I love that, that you can expand while being rested. So it's always kind of a little hokey to ask somebody, but I'm so curious, like, what do you envision? What do you want to give birth to and expand in the next, you know, chapter here of your life? This next chapter will be full of a lot, like I'm going to say half practice, half creativity. Um, that also includes family on all th- like weaving throughout that. But I see another book. I see a possible film. And I also see endless possibility of things that I don't even know are waiting for me. I love that. I love that. So for everyone else who wants to fall in love with you and learn more about you, who's listening, how can they best um, find more about you and where they can purchase your book? I know Shambhala Publications, but any particular places? Yeah, the best place to go is radiantrest.com to order the book and find out more about the book. Um, If you want to look at some of the events that I have coming up, and I also have some of the free events that have already been recorded that are on my website, tracyyoga.com. If you want to experience Yoga Nidra, as I said before, there's the six audible practices that come um, with the book. I also have a, a deep relaxation course on commune. So that's um, onecommune.com. And then you can just look up deep relaxation in my name and you can find that. And I think they they are still giving like a three-day free experience of any course if you sign up. So you can check that out. Um, and otherwise, I believe and hope that in 2022, we will be resting under the stars in Santa Fe, New Mexico on retreat. So you can just get on my mailing list and find out more about that. That's Wonderful. Well, I I hope to see you under the stars for sure. It has been just really magical meeting you and talking with you, Tracy. So thank you so much. Congratulations on Radiant Rest. I can't wait to read it myself. And I hope everybody else goes out there and supports you and supports themselves by really reading and practicing these beautiful transformative techniques that Tracy's sharing with you all. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, Lara. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you, as always, I'm pulling for you. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.